is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. We are back with our, I think this is our fourth. Yes. Fourth, fourth. installment in our Growth Mindset series of podcasts. Mary Kaufman's back. And we're going to talk all about the next step in, in the sort of fixed versus growth mindset hierarchy. I, I, is hierarchy the right word? Yeah, great word. Okay. Yep, that's a great word. Um, so we've done a couple other podcasts on this topic already. If you want to catch up on those, there will be links to them in the show notes. Um, Mary, would you mind introducing yourself to everybody in case this is the first time they've listened to us? Happy to. I'm Mary Kaufman, and I curate and uh, am the architect of learning at Leading Agile. And I'm delighted to continue to find ways to help not only our organization, but many organizations create learning ecosystems and learning organizations where people can grow and thrive, which is really brings us to this phenomenal topic because it's all tied together. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm Dave Fryer. I'm a certified scrum trainer. I work at Leading Agile and I do a lot of podcasting and teach a lot of CSM and CSBO classes. And this series that we've been doing has been very well received. So we're psyched that you're here. We've had a lot of fun talking through the different steps. Um, today, we're going to focus on criticism. But before we get into that, Mary, would you mind, would you be willing to sort of recap where we are for everybody? I'd be happy to. At its core, we're here talking about the idea of intelligence. And the idea around a fixed mindset is that intelligence is static. The idea around a growth mindset is that intelligence can be developed. So at its very core, the difference between the two is about, you know, is there a, a that, that there is no growth versus that intelligence can be grown and developed. So the journey that we've been on, we have addressed the tendencies for people in the fixed versus growth mindset. How do those people tend to either avoid challenges or embrace challenges? That was our first podcast. The second was how do people either embrace obstacles or you know persist in the face of them or how might they get defensive? The third was around effort. Do people with a fixed mindset, do they see effort you know, as fruitless or worse? Or people with a growth mindset see effort as a path to mastery. So the three that we've talked about so far are how the differences between challenges, obstacles, and effort. Today, we're talking about criticism. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm going to put a link to uh, Carol Dweck's book in the show notes as well, and also a link to um, the graphic that sort of explains the different um, steps that you kind of can go through with this. And, and this topic, I'm just going to open up. I think I'm feeling very vulnerable with this topic because the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> All these different things where I was like, okay, yeah, I felt strong in the beginning. And then by the end, I was sort of like a mess. Um, Oh, yeah. But when we talk about criticism, so there's there's the fixed mindset, people that want to ignore the useful or negative feedback. Mm -hmm. And then on the growth mindset, they learn from the criticism. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to leave it there and see where you want to go. Well, where I'd love to start is let's just talk about what is criticism. And when people hear that word, you know, what do you think and feel at its core? Criticism is the expression of information and it leads more toward the driving to share mistakes, faults, or disapproval. That's sort of the root word. There's also a different view of criticism when you think of 
you know, criticism of literary. And it looks at both the merits and faults. The reason I wanted to start there is to say, you know, we all have an idea in our head when we hear that word, what it means to us. What I'd love to unpack on this journey that we're going to go on today is realigning to accelerate and, and celebrate the idea that criticism is actually a gift. Yeah. So I'll throw the ball back to you, Dave. Okay. So I, I was sort of thinking when you were talking just there about the word criticism and, and people being critical, and I was thinking, well, anybody who's got parents knows what criticism, <laughs> critical criticism <laughs> is, you know, like, oh, why are you slouching or whatever? But I think mm-hmm. what we're focusing on here more is um, some information that is given back to you that um, at some level is intended to help you improve. Now that might be someone genuinely wants to see you grow, or it might be they just don't like you, or they might have something with themselves that's going on. You might've asked for it, not asked for it, um, be able to hear it, not be able to hear it. There's all different kinds of kind of ways we can dig into this. Um, But let me just, let me, I'd like to ask maybe, can you um, give an example of some criticism you've received and, and maybe how you responded to it? Absolutely. One example, something that comes to my mind is in my career, I learned very early on that people don't like it when I finish their sentences. Oh, I was supposed <laughs> to do that part, darn it. I was oh, sorry. That's okay. I blew it. I, no, it, it's <laughs> funny because I, I'm going to say 30 years ago, I did a 360 degree appraisal. We were all required. I worked at Ameritech, which was Ohio Bell in the telecom industry. And it was a you know, huge company, 77,000 employees. And we were all required to, to, to interview using documentation up to 15 people and ask them a series of questions. And what I learned from that, and, it, and you couldn't make it anonymous. They had to put their name. Okay. And it was an outstanding experience. The number one takeaway I had is I was shocked. People don't need me to finish their sentences for them. And I learned people Rude. don't need that. They don't like it. So... It occurred to me, and I really learned, and again, it's a journey of life. My personality is obviously certainly, you know, I'm very connected to people. I have high energy. I had to learn, let people finish their sentence. So there's one right there. Yeah. Okay. But when you learned it, I mean, how did you, how did you take it? Did you take it in a positive way or were you oh, sort I was of shocked. like, oh, I don't do that. I, I was shocked. Well, I actually totally resonated with it because I was thinking of it, my behavior, that it was being helpful, that I was letting people know I was on the same wavelength and that I understood them. Okay. What I learned is that there are other ways to show that without finishing people's sentences. And again, it's a tiny little example, but you know, it was abrasive at first. It hurt me because I thought, wow, people don't like that. I had no idea. I thought that was a positive. Again, you know, I was young yeah. and I learned early on and I'm not going to say that I'm perfect at it to this day, but I, many, many people here at Leading Agile, I work hard to be the last one to speak in meetings. And I, what I will say it's hard in general in life is I try to wait until there's a pause so that I never interrupt someone. But wow, you know this, Dave, in corporate America today, it's really hard to find a quiet moment to actually interject your thoughts. So there's one example of feedback and my journey I really did change my behavior. I would not speak first in meetings. I would wait till people finished. And I will say I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on my journey that I'm better at this. All right. 
So it's interesting about the interruption thing. I think that might point to the idea that if you're going to have these kinds of conversations, it might be good to come up with parameters of interaction. I grew up in a household where you interrupt. I mean, everyone, everyone interrupts everyone all the time. And if you have something to say, you're going to fight for it. Um, and that, and that was a way of demonstrating passion. Um, and also, I mean, it, it taught you really how to like, make sure you were going to be heard. I think for me, the thing with criticism that stands out is up until I think my probably sophomore year of college, criticism was always negative. It always meant you're not, you're not measuring up. You're not doing something right. You know, and, and it was often, it would come in all different kinds of ways from teachers, from parents, from people that were bullying me when I was a little kid. Um, but I took a photography class in, in college and there was the, a TA in the class and he was very direct and very kind of abrasive. And he was like, look, this class is about critical feedback. You can't come in here and say you took a picture of something because it's cool. If you do that, I'm going to tear you apart. Um, and he kind of laid out this environment where we were all expected to be very critical of one another, but never with the intent of being mean. It was our job to help each other see the things we weren't seeing. Uh, and that like really opened my mind to it. And I think it's, it's been hard to find, it's happened, but not, not as a rule, to find places where you can be with people who are that open with one another is very challenging. It is. But I do believe it ties back to much of what you teach and have taught hundreds of thousands of people around setting up teams and the way teams work and creating those working agreements and really deeply understanding the terms of communication. Yeah. Now, certainly, you know, what we're talking about today can be in the context of any human anywhere. It doesn't have to be in the context of like an agile team. However, much of what we're talking about is in the context of teams. Yeah. So I think creating that clarity and knowing up front, hey, th this is how we want to communicate. And then you practice it and you give feedback. I look at criticism as feedback. When I'm hearing, I guess I've had so much experience at getting it. Yeah. And I've had experience in giving what I would call feedback. I try never to be critical. I try to be you know, very forward thinking. And I look at it in a way that is a, it is a gift. When I get feedback, the whole time I'm hearing it, and I get a lot of feedback, I work hard to embrace it as feedback that the person cares enough. Let's say even if they're using harsh language and they're not acting like they care, I use and assume positive intent that there is a nugget of truth that will help me be better and deliver bigger and be bold and more successful and grow. Yeah. And that has helped me a ton. And I talk about it in the terms of breakfast of champions. I want to give you a funny example. Okay. Sure. I was negotiating a contract with one of the big six firms doing consulting at the time I was working at a manufacturing company and it was a massive deal. We needed consulting help to make this, you know, basically it was kind of like a transformation happen. And I was negotiating with two partners. It was me representing the company and two partners from this, you know, accounting or well, consulting firm, I should say. And we were at dinner and we finished dinner and probably talked for, I don't know, a half an hour after dinner. We, I, you know, I walked away to use the restroom. And when I go to wash my hands, I look in the mirror and I see I have a big piece of spinach between my teeth. 
And my first thought was, wait, wait, I have a question. Okay. Say your first thought and then I want to challenge it. My first thought was, oh my gosh, I've been talking to these guys for 30 minutes and they have had to be staring at this piece of spinach. And I said to myself, (laughs) when I walked back to the table, I am going to, because I really like these guys. In fact, by the way, we still stay in touch. Both of them, we still exchange Christmas cards and we literally stay in touch to this day. It's been, my God, 25 years, maybe. Yeah. I'll never forget this. I sat down, you know, no spinach, by the way, I removed the piece of spinach. I sat down and I said to them, so we've had an incredible journey these last two days figuring this stuff out. We had a great meal, but I want you to know something. I'm trusting you that you're going to give me feedback and tell me things even when it's hard to say. And if you ever let me sit and talk to you (laughs) for three seconds with a piece of spinach between my teeth, I immediately am never going to trust you again. Like it was a funny joke. That's really funny. But let me tell you something. (laughs) It was the most bonding, hysterical, funny. They laughed. I laughed. We bonded. And I said, look, you have to care enough about me to take care of me. Yeah. Because you're going to be telling me stuff that's going to be hard for me in our business to hear. If you can't even bring yourself to tell me when I have food in my teeth, this is a problem. So what I want to tell this whole audience is, imagine if I wasn't open to feedback. And let's say I hadn't gone to check my teeth. Okay. By the way, that was a lesson learned. I try never to have business discussions. Don't need spinach. No, I do need spinach, but I just go check my teeth before I continue the conversation. Okay. But my point is this, look, feedback is the breakfast of champions. I'm going to tell all of you, I obviously I never forgot this was like 25 years ago. Yeah. This is one of the reasons I love the idea of feedback is powerful. Feedback can help you. It can take away distraction. And there's so many profoundly more important things that we need to know about ourselves besides just having a piece of food in our teeth that's distracting. Yeah. All of you listening to this call know right now that you have sat and had a conversation with someone that had food in their teeth and it distracted you the entire time. Look, we have a hard enough time in our society. We've got to stay focused. Whatever the thing is that will keep you from being focused. So criticism is feedback. It is a gift. So change your thought process about it and imagine the world of good. Do you want to get better? So there you go, Dave. There's my example. So it's funny, you know, you said your first thought, because I'm thinking about, you know, what I know of you and and the way you expressed it is exactly what I would expect you to say. But I just I did for me, the first thought is, what the F? Why did they not tell me? Like <laughs> I'm pissed. Uh, I know. And and that would be the way I would come back to the what the hell? Um yeah. And I kind of did. Say, I mean, say yeah. to the same end goal, but I think that I for me, um, I am really dependent on that feedback from others. And I think to my own detriment, sometimes I, one thing, if, if I work with somebody that I really trust, one of the things I will ask is that if you have feedback, I need you to offer it to me immediately and mercilessly with no regard for my feelings, because I don't want to have to interpret what you're saying. I, if you care about me, make me cry. Like that's okay. It might hurt my feelings and not everybody wants this, but even if I am reduced to tears, I'm going to recover. I need the information and I don't need to try to figure out what it means. So just tell me and rip the bandaid off. And um, I think I worry that that, while I mean it, like I really do want that. I, I worry that it 
puts up a wall and people are like, I can't give him feedback. <laughs> like maybe I make people uncomfortable with that. I don't know. I remember in a class I took of yours, Dave, where you did that. And actually it was disarming and positive. It made me feel really open and okay. willing. You made me feel very, you gave me a ticket to take a step right out of the gate and it okay. felt comfortable. So that's, that's my take on it now, but I have had years of experience. Yeah. You're, feedback. you're, but, and you're also somebody who's practiced at giving feedback. Yes. Um, which you, you have more skill there than a lot of people might. Feel well, like a key point to know is I have a profoundly abundant mentality about life. And I believe that in that abundance, that people will be tremendously better off if someone who deeply cares about them and the view of the potential preferable future that they have, Yeah. that I want to help them get there. And I care enough. Look, let's say it's easy to just ignore stuff. Isn't it just easier, Dave? Just, oh, Pretend I'm just going to let it go. Pretend the person doesn't your teeth. Yeah, that's somebody else's Yeah, stuff. it's easier to just let it go. And, I've know, done that. <laughs> it's hard to... To do the thing. I mean, think about it. There, um, Andy, Andy Andrews has a saying that says, you know, the, the most dangerous phrase in the entire English language is somebody ought to do something about that. Yeah. And I love that because not that I love that people do that, but I'm saying I love the idea because it has, it compelled me years ago to be to somebody to do something about it. Okay. And when it comes to people, I, deeply care and believe in this abundance approach of their future that it's worth it for me to pause and obviously i mean i'm not saying i have the corner on the market on on information but i care enough to say hey i really want to help you but but on the other side is i ask for feedback so i'm a balanced human and that yeah. i want to know and even though let's face it it's hard to get feedback it's yeah. painful but in the long run you know, it's like going to the gym. Do people love doing, you know, like I went to the gym and did a whole bunch of deadlifts, a whole bunch of burpees. Burpees. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I like, nobody wants to do, nobody's like, let's go do burpees. Yeah, I did. I, and see, I am a freak about, I love burpees because they're the great equalizer at the gym because oh. you can be the biggest person or the smallest person and you can kill it no matter what. And I'm a burpee freak. I love them. So okay. like this week I did a bunch of deadlifts a bunch of lunges, weighted lunges and burpees. And I kept up with some of the really tough people because, you know, cardiovascularly, I can do that. Yeah. Well, my point is, you know, um, on this journey, nobody else can go do those burpees. It's not fun. It's painful, right? It hurts in the journey of working out. Like you want to just quit, Yeah. but it's like feedback. If you don't, and you aren't willing to exercise that muscle, you're never going to grow. Do you want to have idiosyncrasies that bug the heck out of people? Or do you want to be aware of it and have some open dialogue? I'm going to tell you right now, all day long and every day to Sunday, I want to grow and I want to be better. And so that's why if I'm going to do that, I also have to be willing to show up and care enough alongside people to bring them along with me. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about that and, and what we do with the feedback. Okay. Um, there, I have like multiple ways of looking at both of these things. On the fixed side, you ignore the feedback. Um, on the growth side, you learn from the criticism. And I can think of lots of criticism I've got that I have chosen to ignore 
and criticism that has made me want to change, but sometimes I don't know how to change. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, when you get feedback, how do you coach yourself into a way of looking at it so that you can learn from it and, and do something positive with it? That's a great question, Dave. And for me, I listen to the feedback and I really try to sort it out to say, is this an attack on me and my personality and like my approach at life? Yeah. Or is this something that is a, 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 a true, I have the ability to change and actually will create impact. Okay. And I take it through that filter and let me try to be really brief. I either say, Hey, this is who I am and I'm not changing that part of my life or Hey, you've got some, you've got some validity here and I get, I get why you're saying this and I'm open to hearing more. What I do in the midst of getting feedback is I actually will not allow myself to get defensive. Even though if I might want to say an excuse, what I do is I seek for more information. I say, let me make sure I heard you and explain a little bit more. Tell me when this happens, how it happens, what are the circumstances? Can you give me examples? So what it does is it gives me a chance to let what's happening sink in. Yeah. And then I, I, I will say this, I work very hard at thanking people for caring enough to tell me. Okay. Because in the moment of me actually expressing it, even if it's painful, it creates a bridge of connection and it gives me time to regroup how I'm thinking and feeling. And there's just something powerful about the moment of expressing gratitude for hearing the truth from that person's point of view. It may not be necessarily something that I agree with, Yeah. but if it is a truth that they see, I want to be grateful for that. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm thinking about this topic and I think this is the one that is the most susceptible to being turned into like inadvertently turned into something that is the opposite of what it's supposed to be, because this is the one that requires interaction with somebody else. Like you're saying, I thank the person and I'm thinking absolutely. And I'm also thinking of times when I've offered feedback and people have been like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was very helpful. Really appreciate that. Um, And obviously they're not going to do anything with it. And so that's like, this is, it's like you're on this really shaky footing no matter where you are, because it's always what you bring to the conversation, what they bring to the yeah. conversation. And I, I, the thing that I kind of wanted to mention was it says learn from, from criticism. Not all criticism requires you to change. I've had criticism Correct. about stuff in my class that has taught me, okay, this is an intentional choice that I made. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I know now I know there's some people that don't like this thing, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm doing yeah. it with purpose and I don't have to make yeah. everybody happy. Right. Um, exactly. But there I have are to things that we can be unapologetic about in our life, about, mm-hmm. you know, our approach. And that's just who we are. And, you know, we should be bold and, and walk proudly with it. Right. And, and I agree with you. There are other things that even if we don't agree with it, it's at least nice to know that there's an awareness of a challenge with it. So like what you just said, you're making an intentional decision to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And for me, I look at feedback. Like if I were giving advice, I always start with a visualization that I'm assuming positive intent. I seek for more information. I try to find the nugget. I don't get defensive. And another tactic that I've taken on many occasions 
is I actually visualize someone that I love or care about, like my best friend. I put their face visually over top of that person's face. It sounds crazy. No, it's, but it's, it's when very I do that, I think. it actually takes the edge off for me Okay, and causes me to realize, look, I would hope my best friend would tell me and I'm imagining that they are telling me. And would I take that information differently from someone that I trusted versus someone that maybe I don't have a good relationship with? Yeah. Because I really believe there are, there's generally some thread of truth in anything and you then you can decide whether you believe that you want to still continue doing that or not yeah criticism is it's it's really i can't say to you that you know in this lifetime that i'm ever going to say oh i love criticism bring it give me all of it all day long <laughs> i'm probably not you can't ever get going better to without that. it right however I want to be very open to it, take the opportunity to learn from it. I've learned much about my style. I've changed often my pace of, you know, communication. Yeah. I, I've had to slow down, not always, but I do slow down. Um, I've had to change how I've scheduled meetings, run meetings, started meetings, ended meetings. And I can't even, I can give you long lists of things that I've gotten better at based upon feedback. Certainly, we joke, you know, not finishing other people's sentences and trying not to do that. (laughs) But um, look, this conversation, this topic is super relevant from the time we're born clear till the time we die. It's going to be, you know, constant. So, and I don't have the core on the market, but Dave, I love that you and I are willing to wrestle with it and be vulnerable and real about it. Yeah, I, I, there's two things that I wanted to add, and one of them is really vulnerable, but the one that's not that vulnerable is I don't, this is just a difference between maybe how we look at it. I don't assume positive intent. I don't care if they have positive intent, but whatever they lay at my feet, that's something that I'm going to pick up and I'm going to spend some time with. Whether it came from good or ill intent, it is something that I can use to explore what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and maybe reaffirm some stuff. Or maybe maybe I'll see some things I didn't see before. Like it, 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 the messenger is whoever the messenger is, but the message can be useful to me no matter what. The the thing that you said about the best friend, um, the person that I think I probably handle feedback from the worst is my best friend. It's my wife. <laughs> and when Karen gives me feedback, I would imagine that from her perspective, it probably comes across like, oh, he's just not even able to hear what I'm saying and he's just ignoring it. Because I do get, I get hurt and I get mad and I get defensive and all the things you're not supposed to do. But then I go off and I calm down and I think about it. And even though in the beginning, I'm probably like, no, absolutely not. And then I think about mm-hmm. it, I'm like, well, yeah, actually that's hundred percent. Right. And almost always I end up changing my tune, but it takes me a little bit to process it. And I think that's something that we need to be like, you don't have to be growth. I don't feel like, like right out of the gate. Some of us process at different speeds and you might need a little time. At least I'd like to give myself that time. Totally. When you were describing that, what I saw was imagine that we would, each of us, so anyone listening to this call, if you really care about maximizing criticism, either giving it or getting it, making the most of it, can you imagine if you actually mapped out a step-by-step on how you personally handle criticism today? 
and then build a new view of how you want to handle criticism. And I'm saying like literally draw it out, take post-its and lay out step by step by step. How do I handle criticism right now? Look at it for what it is. Be real. Like what you just described, I was visualizing the steps that you just described and defined. Imagine that you did that. And then you looked at a healthy view. Let's say you're, let's say you want to grow in your ability to get feedback or criticism and actually map out what you want it to be and practice it. You only get good if you practice it. And what I also love is we're balancing two sides of this, getting and giving. It's a lot easier to give feedback than to get feedback. But if you're willing to be vulnerable and constantly get feedback, you'll be better at giving feedback because you know what it feels like. You've walked in their shoes. Okay, so I want to ask you a question about that. Do you think that the way you deliver feedback has to take a situational leadership is just the thing I'm thinking of, but an approach where you deliver it differently depending upon the audience or if you are going with this idea of, I know what, how I like to receive, like if I was giving feedback the way I like to receive it, when I gave people feedback, it would just be like, that sucks because you did this. That sucks because you did that. Fix that. It's wrong. Um, And it would be very direct and very harsh. And I would offer explanation, but it would not be comforting. I don't, I don't, I'll comfort myself. I just want you to, Put the knife yeah. in, I'll figure out what to do with it. So I actually say, go for it. Like, I believe everyone should do, you should take an approach that works for you. Right. Yes, I, I think it's also wise. So when we, if we're going to take the time to give feedback, you're working to create an outcome, right? You're, you're thinking, what is the outcome I'm hoping to create? Okay. If the outcome is to just make somebody mad and make them feel bad, I know that's not your intent, but I'm saying that's the outcome then you can deliver feedback any way you want. And, you know, it's probably going to work. Okay. <laughs> My thought is just for everyone, be mindful of what is the outcome you're looking to re- to do. If you really want to create positive change for that person and maybe giving them direct feedback, like, okay, my son is, was a Marine. He spent five years in the Marine Corps. I guarantee you his drill instructors probably didn't care about how he felt about <laughs> feedback that they gave him, right? They're drill instructors. They have a method to their madness. But as he progressed in the Marines, there was an amazing journey and the feedback processes changed after the initial training. I just am giving you Mary Kaufman's view of my many decades of experience of getting and giving feedback of what I think has worked. And for me, I try to take a holistic approach and I try to say, if I really want this person to get a growth mindset and make a change, I try to do it in a way where they're actually going to want to do it. Yeah. I do think there's a place for direct feedback and I have been very direct. And sometimes you just have to really speak it very directly. But generally I start with a more collaborative approach and give the journey, take the journey. And then when I feel like I have to go there, I will. Okay. But I truly believe Dave, there's a place and a time for direct. And I say, use your style, whatever you think is best for you. See, I feel like there's this um, this social engineering element to it. If I am delivering feedback, my, what I want from me is I want something to be different for them or for the universe or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's a part of me that feels like if I do truly care about this person and I do feel like this is a positive change for them that I would like to offer them, 
um, I'm encoding that message. I need to encode that message in a way that it'll get through the defense mechanisms or last beyond the defense mechanisms and sit there until they can actually think about it and do something with it. And that's why I'm wondering if my brute force approach is me is not, it's not always going to work. I mean, a lot of people that's just going to shut them down and put them off. They can be like, screw that guy. He's a complete jerk. Um, but I, I don't know. It's very selfish in that context too, because I'm offering something to them so that they become more of what I want or what I want to see. My reaction is it's really important for you to be yourself. Okay. And what works is the authentic Dave. You be you. Okay. I believe each person has to be authentically who they are. Over time, you know what will work for you and you will see the fruits of your yeah. labor, right? You'll know. And I just think it's important. This is an open dialogue and we're, you know, we're just kind of sharing all these ideas. I believe there's a lot of truth to personality style that certain personalities take feedback differently than others and give feedback differently. And if you're aware and you know what that person and their different style is, you know, maybe trying a different approach might get you a better result. Okay. Experience will tell. All I know is I've spent a lifetime getting a lot of feedback and what has worked for me the most is people who showed empathy and that I knew that they really wanted what was best for me. That feedback came through faster. I made changes more quickly. I got past the pain of it more quickly and became more influential, you know, at an accelerated rate. So what's the most valuable thing that you've learned from feedback? But without it, I'm walking around and I have no, like, if I don't have it, I can live in my own dream world that everything is rosy, (laughs) but that there's some people out there who could see I could be better. Okay. The the most valuable thing I've learned is without it, I am not the best version of myself. With it, I have true self-awareness. I see things I can't see. I hear things I can't hear. Yeah. Yeah. I become something I couldn't become. And, you know, for me, I have to get feedback. Okay. I mean, is there something specific that, that somebody said to you that taught you something about yourself or about how you work or about how you interact? that was like super impactful. The number one is to finish people's sentences, be mindful and slow down. I totally did it there. I tried to finish your sentence. I tried oh, to finish your sentence. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> that is so Sorry. funny. So I interrupted you. So to be mindful, go ahead and say it again. To be mindful. Oh, that, that, that makes me laugh. Thank you so much for <laughs> making me laugh, Dave. Um, I would say, and probably just because it's more recent, but okay. in the last several years, I went through a program called Leadership Impact. It's actually an executive presence course through Cream of the Crop Leaders. Huge tip of the hat to Dan and Sue Messenger. And There's so many things I learned about myself, but the number one thing that I feel made me more grounded as to who I am and much more profoundly influential is to slow down, just a general slowdown. Okay. And yes, there's times when my pace of speech, you know, will go quickly, but they taught me that I have the right to take my time and be very thoughtful. I also learned more about where I'm asked a question to get right to the point first. Yeah. Okay. And then sort of 
offer up and play around the edges and become extemporaneous and tell stories, but get to the point first. I'm not perfect at any of these things I just shared with you, but I am tremendously more mindful of both of these things. And when I'm in a more rested state of mind, I am much more effective at doing them well. Okay. So that those would be the two things for me. How about you? What? Um, Well, this, and this actually ties to the the question I'm going to ask next. Um, For me, it's the stuff that's happened in class with the students. Like I get a lot of feedback from people in every class. And I always tend to lock in on the students who are unhappy with things, which is not, I mean, you know, if I get 10 reviews, like one of them will have something bad in it. But um, as I've gone through the process of evolving as somebody who's teaching classes, I've, I've gotten to a place where I can look at the feedback and I think understand maybe where they're coming from, or at least understand how the things I'm saying and doing are impacting people. And it's made me much more clear about the choices that I make. Like I'm very intentional about everything I do in the class. And there's things I say that probably set some people off one way or another, or, you know, stress people out sometimes, or maybe make people angry. And almost all of it is intentional. Um, or I know that like, I'm going to lose somebody here, but I'm still doing it intentionally because that's the class. That's the experience that I'm offering. Um, and, and it's taught me to accept the fact that I'm not going to make everyone happy. Great. Um, I sense a freedom in all the things you said. I'm sensing a freedom for you. Freedom Uh, and confidence, uh, I think. Yeah. Which I don't have in a lot of other areas of my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about self-criticism? This can, this can be the, the sort of wrap up question, but I, w- I wanted to touch on that. And like, when you're, when you're being critical of yourself, are you more on the fixed side or the growth side? Wow. The word ruminate comes to my mind when you say <laughs> self-criticism because probably everyone on, on listening to this podcast knows what I mean by ruminate, but I have learned that if I sense that I'm ruminating on something that occurred, like we all are in meetings throughout the week and I've been very cautious these last several months. I I generally only speak. I'll give this little quote. I can't remember where I heard this, but if it's not necessary to say, then it's necessary not to say it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The entire human race should live by that. Yes. And so I've, I've worked very hard to apply that. And for the most part, I've learned that I tend to ruminate when I've said something thinking that it would be helpful. And then later it'll go through my mind. Should I have said that? You know, should I brought that up? I will tell you, I do this so much less now because I am, I mean, I'm like microscopically aware I really, I only speak when I feel it is absolutely necessary, or I try to, let me put it yeah. that way. I try not to use absolutes either because, you know, always and never, are, you know, really hard, but I'm much better at it. But for me, self-criticism, it's, I have such a more freeing feeling now because I really am mindful. I try to only speak and say the things. Now, this is my view. Some, yeah. some people probably should speak up more because they're actually maybe really quiet, but you can tell I'm an extrovert. So, you know, I don't have a problem 
trying to express myself. But for so what I do is I try to come within reason and then I fill my mind with something else. And this may sound crazy, but I have meditation, prayer strategies, whatever, but I fill mm-hmm. my mind with other things and I focus on what could I do differently. And I visualize myself succeeding in the future. And it causes me to move forward beyond the self-criticism and to actually become more productive. Okay. That's what I do. And I've had lots of moments lately where I I take, I force myself to go to a place where I visualize my life living it without fear. To what what does it mean to truly be fearless? Yeah. And to have courage and to believe that, you know that great things can happen if I try. We all have many demands on us at work. And there are some things that feel daunting to me when I have these, all these, all these activities and these things to finish and document and write and organize. And there are times when it just feels like, how am, you know, what if I, things come through my mind, what if I fail or whatever? Yeah. I've learned to visualize myself succeeding and to say, okay, imagine that I have no fear. So matter what, whether I do this or don't do it, there's nothing to fear. So dive in, spend five, 10 minutes, start articulating your thoughts. And then it's interesting. Once you get started, it's so much easier to finish. Yeah. But I find myself ruminating on those things. So I have gotten much better on the journey by rethinking what really I allow to ruminate in my mind. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It's it's interesting. The way you, you respond to it is, it's really interesting. I mean, all these conversations, we have different ways of looking at stuff. Like to me, you said ruminate to me, it's like squat down and wallow in it. Like I'm just going to bathe in this muck. And sometimes I'm doing that. And I'm at the point now where like, I can acknowledge like, I'm, what, what am I doing? I'm just punishing myself. Um, I'm just telling myself like, Oh, it's like the Chris Farley thing, like idiot. Um, but I know I'm doing it and I know that I need, I know that it's not helping, but it is maybe working something out. Um, yeah. And, and it goes back to that thing of, you know, regardless of who's delivering it, the nugget is something that you can look at and maybe it can teach you if you let it be your teacher, it will. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm a big, that, that I guess to me is where the growth part comes in is that any feedback can be your teacher if you let it. Totally. Because even if it's feedback, you know, like we've said earlier, that you're going to choose to ignore, at least you're making a decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're unapologetically being who you are yeah. and moving forward with vigor and, you know, and you're more clear and energy yeah. and clarity. Mm-hmm. And you can be, you know, press forward, you know, because <laughs> I've been doing a lot of thinking about the journey. And I had this epiphany today, you know, I've been working for a lot of years and things I'd been working for, you know, fixing up this old farmhouse we live in. And it's so funny, but I had this thought today. I really miss the pursuit of the journey because it was so much fun. Yeah. Sounds crazy. And now that, you know, not, it's not all done, but a a large chunk of it's done. I've I've sensed just more of an apathetic view of things, certainly at times. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because the pursuit isn't there. And so, wow, Mary, you need to rethink you need a new mission. what your next phase of pursuit is. And it isn't yeah. even just like that, right? And renovation, but yeah. Yeah. So Mary, thank you very much for this conversation. We've got um, one more topic for this success of others, which we'll be doing really soon. Um, what if people want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? 
Mary Kaufman. It's M-A-R-Y dot Kaufman, K-A-U, F as in Frank, M-A-N-N at leadingagile.com. I would love to hear from you. Sending my very best to everybody for your journey of how you will pursue and live out your growth mindset. Awesome. Thank you. And if you have any feedback for us, we would love some criticism. So you, really <laughs> you can leave important. it in the show notes or send it to me. Um, and thanks very much for listening. Thanks, everyone.